Hello, 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 and welcome back to Asking for a Friend, the podcast that does not ever guarantee answers because I don't know everything, but absolutely guarantees solidarity. Uh, My name is Joanna Carpenter. I am your host. Um, Today's topic of discussion is one that I personally place on a very, very high pedestal, um, as does my guest who you are about to meet. We're going to talk about self-care. Self-care is a phrase that gets like thrown around a lot these days, um, often arbitrarily, but today I really want to um, take some time to talk with somebody amazing about like what self-care actually looks like and what it means and what it feels like. So my guest today is one of the strongest, toughest, smartest, most talented, most beautiful women I know and someone I am lucky to call a dear, dear friend, um, Jordan Zimmerman. Hello, Welcome Joanna. to Asking for a Friend. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, so tell us, who are you? What do you do? Sure. Uh, well, you know what? I was trying to, I was thinking back on how we met, but it must have been in our current, or actually your former and my current situation, which would be working uh, in the booze industry. Mm-hmm. So um, I have been in the whiskey space specifically for about five and a half years now. Um, Running shit. And I'll I'll take it. I'm glad it looks (laughs) like it. Uh, Lots of acting involved. I'm sure you taught me that. Um, uh, Basically, uh, I've been uh, in working for a series of brands and that has really been a sort of foot in two camps situation. So uh, one part in a sales role, uh, the other foot in a uh, in a marketing in a marketing role and uh, an education and education as well. Mm -hmm. So brand education. Um, And I've been moving uh, throughout a lot of restaurants, bars, liquor stores, distributors, importers, all sorts of things um, across uh, mainly New York, but also recently uh, the Northeastern US. And it's taken me across the globe. It's it's uh, kept me close to home. I've been doing a lot of things uh, in Scotch whiskey specifically. So where are you from originally? Um, I am actually from a town called Mesquite. Texas. Mesquite uh, as in the barbecue mesquite? As in the barbecue chip. Yes, that's I generally that. how I describe it. Um, home of the championship rodeo. Yeah, um, we are, I believe, on the Calgary circuit, um, and we got a day off of school. Uh, we got two days off of school, especially every year. Uh, one was for uh, the first day of the state fair, and one was for the first day of the rodeo. Those were year. days off from school. Days off from school. Like, treated like national holidays. Mm-hmm. Yes, we also got a national, we actually did kind of get a national holiday, if you can think of it that way. It was Texas. We do believe very heavily in ourselves. Um, this uh, We did get a day off of school when our high school won the uh, state Football championships. Oh, of course, well. yes, because of course. football is life in Texas. Mm-hmm. And then they built a million-dollar football stadium for the high school. But you know, it's fine. Um, so that's where I grew up. So <laughs> uh, actually, a dry county. Funny enough. So you grew up in a dry county. I did in fact, and my parents do not drink. Interesting. Yeah. And you are like the whiskey wizard. Yes. Um, they still, <laughs> they still try to, uh, still try to understand. They're incredibly supportive. Um, but I could never, uh, I could never pour a glass and share what I sell with my family. Wow. Uh, when did you move to New York? Uh, so I moved to New York five days after I graduated from college. Wow. I actually had already moved my things here into storage and I packed a carry-on bag and went home for my best friend from high school's wedding because of course you get married at 21. Um, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're still very happily married and a lovely, lovely couple. But yes, I came, went back with a carry-on bag over my shoulder uh, for a five-day wedding in Texas and then shipped on back up to New York. So I've been here since 2012. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So yeah, it seems like since you landed in New York, basically, it has been a snowball of a very, very intense activity. I mean, we have, we have listeners that are 
um, in the booze industry, um, or at the very least on the fringes of it, mm-hmm. um, or in the arts industry. But I think uh, kind of the significance of that lifestyle mm-hmm. and what it does and the demands of the life that we lead sure. emotionally and physically. Um, you are also, uh, for those that don't know you, you are... Um, an amazing like runner. I mean, you've you've done how many marathons? Seven. It's uh, so, so it'll be seven this year and eight next spring. So okay, six so far. Oh yeah, because you've got New, New York, York City this, this fall. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then New York. What's next spring? And I actually am in the Tokyo Marathon in March. <gasps> I didn't know that. Yes, oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, I'm very excited to be my second international marathon. So very and the other one was Berlin. Was Berlin? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When was Berlin? Berlin was actually in two thousand. 18. It was just last year. It was just last year. I thought you were going to say 2008. I'm like, no, I knew you then. (laughs) Um, I remember. Um, So we talk a lot, you and I personally, talk Mm. a lot about uh, the journey to self-care and kind of the individual evolution um, that comes along with that. I think being being women in uh, the, the bar space, the liquor space, um, it takes a lot more out of us than people realize, mm. because not only do you have um, the physical demands of like carrying bottles and running from meeting to meeting and traveling a ton and dealing with all that, but there's a lot of emotional labor that goes into the jobs that we do. And I think there's a lot of intrinsic um, expectation for women specifically in roles that, I hate to say this, that people see as traditionally female to be servants. Absolutely. And I think that in the hospitality industry, we get wrapped up in that, but also strong women like us um, and a lot of people in the industry um, are hell-bent on making sure that perhaps their families who don't drink understand that it's a career. So yes. they're working harder. Um, and not a fluke, not a failure. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that puts us in a, that puts us in a situation where uh, we voluntarily make choices uh, that perhaps aren't the healthiest because we say, if I invest now, it'll pay off later. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially as a, as a woman occupying space in the particularly male-heavy mm area of whiskey. I mean, like you could say that the entire booze industry is a boys club, but whiskey in particular is so stereotypically portrayed as masculine. Mm -hmm. Um, I would kind of love to know when you first started, um, both inside work and outside of work, I would love Mm -hmm. to know when you first started really paying attention to the need for self-care. Sure. Um, Well, I would say that my story, my professional story has been blessed uh, in the sense that I've come across a string of extremely strong female mentors in a lot of Mm. what I've worked in a lot of the spaces where I've worked and um, for those who don't know me I came to New York I moved to New York to work in cheese that is a sentence I just said Um, I I worked in I worked in cheese (laughs) Uh, and I worked in the classroom at a a company called Marie's Cheese um, and that was actually run by women that department Um, so I started there and uh, then also when I moved over from that uh, to Shake Shack, I was in the national marketing department at Shake Shack, another thing people don't know about me. God, Shake Shack um, sounds delicious yeah, right now. Right? Why didn't we bring, why didn't we bring French fries to this interview? That's Sorry. Dinner. Okay. Sorry. Uh, but we do but, have wine. Yeah, okay. Well, that's implied. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is true. But uh, so when I, when I moved over there, I also had another uh, female, ment- female mentor, Laura. Um, when I came to the booze industry, um, what I realized, uh, I actually had 
someone who I very much respected. Um, her name was Jessica, and Jessica was my direct report. Jessica was the one who took a large chance on me and hired someone from not from behind the bar mm. to do something in front of the bar. Which and is the typical trajectory, is pulling pulling a good, experienced bartender and bringing them onto a brand. And they brought someone on with minimal theater experience who mm -hmm. could stand in front of a crowd and talk about a product as I had with at Shake Shack and at, you know, and then cheese and just that I really like whiskey, give me a chance. And yeah. she did. And I think with someone who took such a chance on me, she actually also took me under her wing. And there was a time um, when we had a, a team retreat and um, I had worked probably every day for five weeks. I mean, that was pretty typical Sounds leading like up you. to the team retreat, right? <laughs> um, and we got there and I just remember not wanting to even go to dinner I couldn't move I couldn't do anything and she kind of came in and you know she she said you know it's okay to it's okay to stay in your room and watch tv tonight it really is and I was like no I gotta go out with the team I gotta make sure I'm there for the team she's like this is not about showing up and showing off mm -hmm. you know and I think that her commitment to just being chill when you need to be chill was really yeah. inspiring in the sense that I saw her do it. I think a lot of self-care, um, people can say, oh, I read this incredible article about this <laughs> vegan monk who decided to, you know, travel without shoes 17,000 miles to a can, you know, cool. But I think the most powerful and palpable um, triggers and positive triggers, if you will, are seeing people who do act in a way that is serving themselves. Who walk the walk. Right. Versus um, just posting on Instagram about the spa day and then like yeah. continuing to live their crazy life. Exactly. So exactly. what is it like your, I think everybody everybody has a different version of self-care. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's different um, from day to day because like self-care for me one day looks like going to the gym and being a crazy person. Mm -hmm. Self-care for me another day is lying inert on my bed and just like flipping through Instagram. And sure. so, you know, with the with the idea in mind that we give, our, give ourselves space to explore what self-care means, mm. um, what has self-care begun to look like for you? Yeah, I think that, you know, for a long time it was this physical outlet of, it was a physical outlet of running, but really what that was, was this physical manifestation of, um, I guess, taking the time for me because when I, mm -hmm. when I went on a run, I'm not going to answer my phone. You're not, you're not, I'm not answering your phone call no. if I'm going to run. No. I got my music going. I'm running to the beat. Don't get in my way. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really nice. And it was this sort of physical exertion was, you know, physically exhausting. So that I said to myself, and I used to say this a lot, um, if I wake up and I do the hardest thing I'm going to do at the beginning of the day, everything else is going to fall into perspective. I'm just mm. going to have perspective on everything else, I guess. So you wake up and you run 15 miles. And it's going to be the hardest thing you do all day. Yeah. You know, if someone uh, doesn't buy your product, if someone throws you out of their liquor store because, of course, you personally raised the price on a very expensive bottle of scotch. Yes, I you personally did that. Did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just so we're all aware, you know, totally in my purview. Um, but, it, you know, it's it, you're going to be able to handle that. And I, try, I convinced myself of that. Um, what it's starting to look like now is actually, this is funny, it's still an active, um, it's still an active form of care, which I'm, you'll ask any of my friends, I don't really know how to do the passive form of care. Mm -hmm. But the active form of care for me now um, is 
allowing myself the mental space to be intellectually curious about something. Mm. And what I mean by that is going back to voice lessons. I haven't been to voice lessons since I was, you know, 18 and then, you know, 18 mm. and then high school and dabbling. And, you know, I've, I've made friends like you who are incredible in the arts community. And I've, you know, been sort of immersing myself in that and saying, you know, damn it, I want to go back to voice lessons. I want to yeah. go do that. Yeah. And so it was finding the finding the free trial online or asking your friends for an introduction to the voice teacher, whatever yeah. it was, to kind of figure out that to figure out that class. I I, I went to a um, a clay workshop, a pottery workshop the other day. Ooh. It was no one's going to be drinking out of that coffee mug anytime soon. But you know, um, <laughs> but you, you know, did it. I wanted to do it, and it was you know in New York we are we have an embarrassment of riches. But I think especially in the city, what we find is that we're so focus on achieving um that when we do get when we do get that opportunity to care for ourselves we shut off because we just have no energy to do other things and i think um i think that recently i've been able to again shut off enough to recharge but also uh be able to sort of channel some of that energy that may have been only on the run and say you know what i want to be curious about something yeah i want to go have fun i want to do something i'm bad at yeah Um, or as my friend lee seymour um, for those of you in the theater community you may have heard of lee he is your theater writer for forbes he's an incredible person i went to college with um he said this to me once and he probably doesn't remember saying this and he said um Jordan, there's a difference between being bad at something and being new to something. And so I think that allowing yourself Lee to Seymour, be new. very wise. Very wise. <laughs> allowing yourself to be new uh, and have some fun and do something that you may not totally be successful at is so un-New York and so on our industry, especially women in our industry, mm-hmm. that that's been kind of the self-care lately is, is allowing myself to be a little freer. In this just guard. made me come up with another question. Do you find that an unsung, unspoken element of quality self-care involves a lack of judgment of yourself? Mm. Absolutely. Because how often have you been like, I'm really tired, I just want to lay in bed, but I need to go to the gym, I need to go to CrossFit, and you start beating yourself up for these things. I've done it. I guarantee everybody listening has done it. Oh, yeah. But when does self-care become about not judging yourself or what you need in that moment? I mean, I think that's interesting. I think... Um, I think one sort of lens we could look through and perhaps we could use that lens as a tool uh, could be if I give myself the space that I need Mm -hmm. when I show up for my job, for my friends, for my significant other, I am going to be so much more present. Yes. So actually it's not selfish because I'm giving yes. myself the space that I need so that the quality of the time I spend with other people when I decide to be with other people is not compromised. So it's not compromised. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's kind of, I think that goes along with what people say about what the wise old sages say <laughs> about when you decide to uh, be in a relationship with somebody is that if you are not able to be a whole complete person by yourself, mm. you cannot truly love that other person. Right. I like the Venn diagram, um, the Venn diagram, um, I guess, visualization of this, right? So yeah. we are two complete circles. We come together, we overlap in a beautiful way. If I'm a Pac-Man and I need you to feed me pizza to make me whole, yep. we, we're not going to work it's so well. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. not at all. I you love know. that. Um, so 
And I'm basing this question off the fact that you and I have talked often about the obstacles and the barriers to self-love, self-care. Because mm-hmm. I also think self-love and self-care are absolutely not binary and they're absolutely not mutually exclusive. One begets the other in a sure. lot of ways. Um, what have you found to be stumbling blocks to really diving into quality self-care? I'm going to be really nuts and bolts about this one just off the bat and less, uh, I guess, cerebral. And that is that a lot of us who are listening right now or initial listeners are living in cities where it's very difficult to live. Um, Mm -hmm. And that it's hard to think of doing something like having fun in a pottery class because how the hell are you going to come up with 50 extra dollars to go to that pottery class? When you how pay are you going to do that? $1,200 in rent every month. Right? Yeah. It, at least, you know, least. if you're selling $1,200, you are living with three other people. And I think right. that part of the barrier to self-care is, um, is that a lot of us live in spaces where it's very expensive and it's very <laughs> difficult. And so our MO is go because if we don't go, how are we going to pay rent? Therefore, and when you stop going, you're already behind. Yep. Yeah. And I think that that's difficult um and i think that's a difficult mindset to get over Mm -hmm. um i also think it's you know recently as as people will learn um i recently am accepted a a job outside of new york city and it was a big it's a big decision Mm -hmm. um and part of the the piece that i have about it is that i i've finally been honest with myself about how difficult it is to live here for a long time Mm. um and that i know i'm going to i hope and i really do feel like i know that i'll be able to create more space but i think that's one of the obstacles um is just that if you don't go like you said you're already behind fucking obstacle huge huge and it's practical (laughs) and i think that i actually think that saying that first is bringing me to another thought which is a lot of times this self-care can be wrapped up in this like sort of voodoo wellness space that's sure. so cerebral and you have to go to Costa gotta, Rica on a yoga retreat and, you know, and, like, and like and that sounds lovely but like at the same time a lot of us aren't talking about the brass tacks of it right, right. um which is it's very difficult to it's very difficult to focus on something that feels heady when you don't have the money to, to have the access to it so yeah. so access I think is, is interesting um I also think that um I would say, well, there's, well, there's many. I think that the, t- I think that a, I think self care is different for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I think that some barriers for some people. And it took me a while to get my arms wrapped around what it meant for me, and, and realize that it's also also always evolving. Mm-hmm. Is that you need that space to explore and think about what it means to you, mm-hmm. um, and I think that specifically in in the social media specifically. Um, that we see one version of self-care. Yes. It is a yes. white, thin woman, and I am a white, thin woman, just so we're aware, um, <laughs> but it is a white, thin woman doing yoga in Bali, um, slathering herself with CBD, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, wearing some sort of shirt that says, what is it, like, happy gangster? What are those gangster shirts? Those some oh, bullshit, by yeah. the way. But yeah. you know what I'm saying? And yeah. There's one version of it. So I think sometimes, even though I'm like, oh, we don't have the time to step back and create and really think about what we want to be, we also are so bombarded with a single idea of what self-care yes. looks like yes. that I think um, people get wrapped up in that. And if they don't actually want to go to the Asian bathhouse and sit in a sauna in a robe because actually that is like my worst. Like I can't even imagine something worse than that. I I would I would probably I would the I, hypochondriac in you is like nope I can't do it. Um, so you know I mean I'm Asian and I never seek those out. <laughs> like, it just seems 
uncomfortable. I would need a lot of wine before yeah. I walked into one of those. But, uh, and at that point, the wine becomes a self-care. Right? <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to sit here and eat food. Exactly. Great. What are we doing? Doritos. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's another barrier too is, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to think about what it would mean to us when we just don't have any, um, we don't have any outside stimuli that's teaching us to think creatively about it. Yeah. (laughs) And at what point do you start turning away from social media for inspiration? Because here's the thing is like, I think you can curate you can curate what you follow and you can curate the type of content that you interact mm-hmm. with, just like you can curate your own content. Sure. At what point does social media become a self-care detriment? At mm. what point does it get in your way? You know, oh gosh, social media is hard. And I think social media fucking sucks. And we're hard, all addicts. Though. I don't care what anybody says. You're you all, know? we're all addicts. And for, you know, for someone like me who's worked for brands for mm-hmm. so long and, you know, especially someone as, as a woman who represents a whiskey brand, like I have to put on this very specific, I mean, maybe not specific to every woman who works whiskey, but I have to be a brand. Like yes. I am the brand. Yes. Right. So when I work for a brand, there's always, I've, you know, I've transitioned to a few brands now and there's been conversation each time about like, maybe you should delete all the photos with the other bottle. And like, it's a, it's an okay thing for them to ask. Sure. Right. I mean, it's totally fair sure. because my job is now me. Right. 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 And so that's interesting. Right. Um, but when do we stop looking to social media? It's hard because when you're, uh, when your key performance initiatives, your KPIs, for those of you out there who ever worked for a brand and those are the check boxes for you to get your bonus. And it also is intertwined with social media. It's difficult not to look at it and yes. it's difficult not to pay attention to it. Yes. Um, but I would say, Oh, this is so Marie Kondo, Jesus. Uh, but um, when I would say, ask yourself, you know, ask yourself, okay, this post makes me want to buy X. It makes me want to do Y. It makes me want to uh, travel to Z. Yeah. Right. Um, are those things, are you doing those? Do you actually want those things? Are those mm. things going to bring you joy, true joy? Mm-hmm. Are they going to, are they going to fulfill you? Is it worth the work to put in to attain those things? Right, because is the joy propagated by the fact that everyone's going to see you doing those things Mm. or that you're actually doing them? Do you see why I told you guys that she is so smart? (laughs) Exhibit A17. Also, pour me more wine. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. no, I'm actually doing it. Okay, great. Well, you know, wine is full. This is it. Wait. Tell me again. Tell me again what we're drinking because you brought this bottle and it's fucking beautiful. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, um, it's called Eight Years in the Desert. It's made by a man named Dave Finney. Um, Dave Finney is the winemaker for Orin Swift Wines. And actually, if any of you out there have ever been to like a Marriott through a Hilton, um, and you've been in there, um, <laughs> sorry, my life, and you've been in any of their um, hotel restaurants, their most expensive by the glass um, red is probably The Prisoner. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have heard of The Prisoner red wine. I have seen The He prisoner. created The Prisoner and he was bought out, but his contract basically said that for eight years after he was bought, uh, he could not create a, uh, he could not create a Zinfandel. Mm. And so this is his release after his eight years in the desert. And it is a Zinfandel heavy California red wine blend um, by him. Um, as I told Joanna earlier, this is absolutely hands down no holds bar call i call it a snuggle wine it's the <laughs> bottle you snuggle with on your couch not and you don't this isn't a pairing wine this isn't wine you drink with dinner it's wine for dinner 
So <laughs> it is your dinner. It's also your companion, right? It's you, your bottle of wine, and your Netflix. Because it ain't going to pair with much because you're not going to taste anything else. That's where we're at. But the, what I love about the bottles is you notice the label. He actually is an artist as well. So he's a visual artist. And he uh, either pieces together photographs or scraps of paper mm. and he actually layers them all together to create the label actually if you feel the label right now Joanna you'll mm. see that they're actually pieces of paper oh my god Each they of are the labels are handmade oh my god this cool. is beautiful and I like I am not I am an old world girl like I do I do not I rarely will go for new world especially yeah. reds the newest I go is Argentina maybe yeah. if I like Malbec which is like once a year yep um this is delicious and it's like lush and juicy and like cocoa-y and just cool so we went on a wine tangent yeah, okay, cool. back to self-care <laughs> um so has there ever been a time or times mm. when you have had to kind of like learn the hard way about, oh, I need self-care right now and I need to hit the reset button and I need to figure it out. Yeah, I think there have been many, unfortunately. Um, you know, to be someone who's fully transparent, you know, I was someone who, you know, whose um, parents very quickly realized in my teens that I needed therapy in my teens. You know, mm -hmm. I wasn't someone who got all the way to their 20s and was like, oh, therapy sounds like th something people are doing. Sure. Maybe I should need, right? So I think that I've always, I've, I've grown up, you know, many of my, many of my formative years, I would say, were sort of, there was this piece of them that was, if you talk to someone and you talk about your feelings and you work through things, there's, you know, there's some sort of, I guess, a light at the other end, but also some reforming of how you, of, of how you manage things. Mm. So. I came to adult life, you know, not really being able to afford therapy in New York, but what I would say, yeah, it's fucking expensive. Jesus, oh my God. Um, I don't know how people do it. Um, but what I would say is it, you come, you almost come to it with, some people say it gives you clarity. I think it gives you a lot of trepidation because I think it shows you that like, you probably have something to work on, right? <laughs> Self-reflection is scary. It, it sucks. It's terrifying. Um, but um, I, I'm trying to think of, a specific time um, when I really needed to reset, I multiple jobs. But if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna focus on um, focus on the booze industry, I would say that there was a week um, in my current position where I actually just couldn't do anything. I got mm. I, I got out of bed. I kind of went on a run. I cut it in half. That's not really like me, mm -mm. you know. Got back kind of ate breakfast, like turned on the television. I don't turn on the television. Like it's just yeah. not, you know, it's, it's, it's Wednesday. What are we doing? Right. Right. Like, right, right. We have things to do. We have things to do. But you know, in, in our line of work and brand ambassador work, sometimes it gets difficult because there is no hard and fast structure to what you do every day. You right. know, when you're going to restaurants, bars and say you don't have any meetings, but you're just going to go say hi. And you don't you need really to have fill anything the time. to sell. Like, yeah. it's, it's a hard, you know, it's a hard place to be, but I remember having, I remember having about a week and a half where I just, I, I couldn't send, I would open my computer and I would send an email and everything was hard. Mm. Everything was hard. And I wasn't physically tired. I wasn't sure, physically tired. But you know? something was done. Yeah. It just was. And I remember, I think that was actually the exact week. If you haven't read that, I think the New York Times did an article on burnout. Yes. The burnout in the millennial yes. generation, yes. generation. And that was the week it Originally came out. Originally published to BuzzFeed. Yes. yes. Okay. And the Times, I think the Times picked it up. Welcome. And it was 
that was BuzzFeed and the New York Times. The same in my brain. You know what? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, depending on who's writing. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was that was a that was an impactful article. It was, and I think for those of us who've ever um, who've ever gone through it, are like, holy shit! Like you feel like you get diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. It's like going to therapy. Like someone diagnosed you. Yeah. It's like the best therapist just tells you exactly what you already know. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that it was validating too because I was really starting to be hard on myself and really starting to blame myself. Like, get it. Jordan, you know, excuse me, but get it the fuck together. Like yeah. you have the power to make this different, which of course is probably something I read on Instagram. It's like one of those those like horrible <laughs> inspirational posters that your gym teacher had. Yeah. Like with trust. like a picture of the sunset. Oh yes. <laughs> like, Always nature photos. Um, <laughs> but uh you Sent know. from Brooklyn. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but it was the same week that article came out and I again felt like you said, felt diagnosed. Um, and I was like Oh my God! Mm. Something's something's gotta be something's gotta go. Something's gotta be gotta be different. I also think um, there was a time in my job before that where I I had a very I had a very difficult uh, collection of personal things come together in life. Mm. Um, I was running the Chicago Marathon. I was so excited. Uh, I had all the the fed travel booked. Of course, I booked it without cancellations or refunds because that's expensive. I'm not doing that. Right, right, right. And um, I got a, my grandfather had passed away and I got a call that his service was, they scheduled it the day before the Chicago Marathon and it flipped everything upside down. And I remember being so, I hated myself so much because I was really upset about it fucking with the marathon to, yeah. be, to be perfectly fair. Yeah. And yeah. I was so mad about that, but I was so mad at myself for being mad about that. Yeah. But I also remember losing it I lost it in the office when Mm. I got the call Mm. I lost it on the subway I couldn't breathe I was crying so hard and it was one of those situations where like if you if I was able to take a step back and kind of contextualize I would have been angry I probably would have thrown some things I probably still would have cried I couldn't get it together Mm. you know and Mm. I think that it was there was just so much energy around work 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 and I'd been working you know six to seven days a week every week you Mm. know in the set if I took a day off 80 hour weeks are normal yeah and if I took a day off like I I did a long run and I did my laundry and then went to bed right you know like that's what it did so what it was is it became very clear that it was this it was the peak of everything just building and Mm. these horrible things that were happening in life and where my family needed my support and I had friends who would have supported me in this I couldn't even talk to any of them because I was just so it was just so much emotion about everything else kind of building to a head so I think that there were times I think when either I couldn't do anything Mm. or I had all of the emotion at once yeah that I had to take a step back and be like okay how am I that emotional about things that could be a little more procedural than I'm making them. I'm literally acting like the world is ending or basically my my emotions are telling me the world is ending. And yes. it's and why there's is gotta it so be heightened? something yes. There's gotta be something else going on. Yeah. You know? I mean the burnout thing is real, real. Mm-hmm. Like and you and I have also talked about this, but I have gotten to several points where I, you know, and like we are grounded, stable, smart, talented women. Right. And so, but the caveat to that is that I don't think either of us, much like many of the women, many of the people that we know, have not been raised with the tools that Mm. give us the capability to identify when shit goes off the rails until it's already off the rails Mm. like how many women do we know that are Mm. really good at their job and really smart and really awesome and you love being around them Mm. 
and they don't know that they're burned out mm-hmm. until it has gone so far into the unhealthy Sorry. that you then have to do damage control before you can even set foot into going, what does self-care look like for me today? <laughs> like right. you almost have to take three extra steps where you identify that there is an issue. You identify what the issue is, and then you have to rehabilitate the issue before you can be like, I'm gonna have a Netflix day. Right. And that is something that I think is incredibly specific to this industry because a lot of times we work for people that will run us ragged unapologetically mm-hmm. um, in the name of KPIs, in the name of hitting goals, in the name of closing out Q3 strong, you know? And it's not fair. And I always, I kind of, I, I listen to the questions that happen on a day-to-day basis in the booze industry. And it, it makes me wonder who is going to give us the runway to define boundaries so that when we turn 70 and 80 years old, we are not broken. Mm. And I think it's a conversation that's starting to happen more in the industry, which is really great. And there are several brands that are taking the initiative to promote self-care. But I'm wondering, you know, like how often is it lip service and how often is it the actual integrity behind the concept? Sure. I mean, I think that let's, let's all take this, let's all take brands promoting self-care with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. wellness is an industry. Wellness is 100% wellness a multi-billion dollar wellness industry. Wellness is an industry and yes. for a brand to latch on to a wellness movement means that they're going with the curve that is going to make them money and make them popular with people who are going to buy their products. And post it that on is Instagram. A, that is mm-hmm. a very, very bleak way to look at it, but let's be fair. But that's, it's true. That's very true. That's the era that we live in. Um, I also think that, you know, speaking specifically of women in this industry going, running ragged, because again, it's not a traditionally women-dominated industry. In whiskey, yeah, sure, but also in wine sales. The I stakes mean, you are talk, higher you for us. You hear about, they you just, know. Yes. Yeah, so I would say, I would say that it's time to there are more women in power, so let me, let me take a step back. There are more women Mm-hmm. getting promoted to jobs mm-hmm. it's time for the rest of us who haven't been promoted or who, who are eventually looking for those promotions to hold them accountable and ask questions yes how did you get there how did you get can there? you be my mentor yes if the answer is no from that person find someone else who says yes yes um i don't think there are a lot of women who would say no i think that they are very focused and very driven people to get where they are and they've had to put blinders on and really deflect a lot of things coming at them from mm-hmm. possibly men mm-hmm. and probably a lot of other women too mm-hmm. who were jealous mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. think that a lot of times we might see women in power and say oh they don't want to talk to me they can't teach me their ways of self-care they can't show me how they have a kid and a husband because and crabs a- in a barrel there's only room at the top for so many of us right yeah exactly and yeah. i don't which is a fucking lie which is a lie um but i also think that we need to remind ourselves that people want to help people and I think that this is something we forget to tell ourselves mm-hmm. um, if we want to start to move toward a, a culture of self-care especially for women um, asking for help is hard mm-hmm. is. but I think reminding yourself truly reminding yourself that if you ask if you ask for it it'll probably be given yeah is is a really interesting way to look at it. Um, I see that in networking. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with asking someone to introduce you to someone. Mm-hmm. And I think that people, oh, it's nepotism, it's terrible. It's just, well, yeah, well, well, you know, when you get certain jobs in the government, it's gonna be terrible. But, you know, more mine. But I think that we forget that, like, just think about it for you. If you came to me and said, like, 
Jordan, I really need you to help me build an Ikea shelf. Or Jordan, I need you to help me, I need you to help me read lines, you know, read for my next show. I need you to help me come learn how to make, you know, pottery. Please don't ask me that. That would be a terrible (laughs) ask. Um, But, you know, if... if you if you ask me any of those things, I would say yes. When do you need it? When's the deadline? Like, mm-hmm. let's clear some space on my calendar. Yes. And you would do that for your friends too. And I think we forget that as women at the top that we see as successful, who've probably figured out how to take some self care if they have kids, mm-hmm. if they have if they have significant others, they figured because out they some space to carve, and they've survived this long. Yes. They probably got some clues. Yeah, and they probably actually want to help yes and I think that sometimes we can say we can look to Instagram for help but like if we're just let's look to the people who are us who yes. do what we do yes um, who we aspire to who be who we aspire to be mm-hmm. or just the people who are very much around us at our same level maybe you see them figuring something out yeah posting on their Instagram I yeah. don't know what they're doing but just don't forget to ask like yeah. just ask because yeah. you would say yes you would say don't forget that you would say yes so why would they say no I love that I love that. Okay, last question. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been a thing or things, it can be a laundry list of things, okay. um, that you have found to be the most impactful on your version of self-care? Mm. Um, okay. Um, cheese. Cheese <laughs> was implied. <laughs> it was built in. Mm. Cheese is in her rider at mm-hmm. all times, just so everybody knows. <laughs> I'm like stuffing my face with camembert on the side. You can't see it. Oh, actions so for radio, respect. people. Actions for radio. Um, let's see. You know, I think um, part my favorite thing that I've done, and I guess this will just like put a put an all encompassing period at the end of the sentence is this industry is hard, and it'll pull the love of it right out of you. Uh, the job of this job will pull the love of why you wanted to wine experience right out of you. It'll pull the love of hospitality and restaurants right out of you. And um, something that I've seen as a light is actually um, as I've sort of learned how to create space and ask friends to hang out, and that was also very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've asked them to go back to the scene of the crime, if you will, the thing that made me fall in love with mm. hospitality. So. Um, I actually had a friend the other week who I asked to go with me uh, to a community garden and do mm. a garden day. And mm. I fell in love with food um, through working on a sustainable farm when I went to college at Yale. Mm. And it's when people see me and all of my makeup and all of my hair, they're like, she worked on a farm. And I was like, I oh, know. I was about all the jokes. But, you know, going back to that and seeing it again in a different light and at a different time in your life can kind of re-spark the joy in what you're currently doing. Yes. It can also remind you, as we said earlier, that sometimes you're going to need to take that personal space because when you go back to the work that you're doing now, now that you're reminded of why it's important, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to put your arms around it and put more of yourself into it in an honest way yes. and in a full-bodied way. Um, and, you know, it even goes back to inviting friends to save up $200 and go to that Michelin-starred restaurant you've never been to. I did that the other day. Like, yeah. I never been to a restaurant that you know people were just it was a dime a dozen here in New York we have so many we're so lucky mm-hmm. I had never been to, to one that been on my list forever and I was just like you know what I'm gonna make a reservation I'm gonna go yeah. and I'm gonna get a two-person reservation I'm gonna ask a friend to do it and it is magical when I think sometimes you can go back to the source 
of something that feels very treacherous. Of your no. inspiration. Yeah, of mm -hmm. your inspiration. Sometimes your job can be the thing that feels like the opposite of self-care. Yes. And if you can go back to why you've gotten into that industry, because for those of us who are in the hospitality industry, a lot of times we tr do truly deeply care about what we handle and what we do and we what do. we represent. And in the arts industry as well, we truly deeply care about you know, mm -hmm. what we do and, mm -hmm. and, and why we audition for things and, and how the impact we fell in love with singing. Have. Go, do, yeah. go do something that reminds you of how special that is and then you'll be reminded of um, you know, how creating that space to rediscover that is actually going to make you better in what you do. I have literally nothing to add to that. Um, that was the best answer ever. Um, Jordan Zimmerman, thank you so, so much. Um, if people want to keep up with you, because you have things happening. I have things so happening. So if people want to keep up with you, where can they find you? Sure. Um, my... Are we talking about social? Socials. Great. Perfect. After we just berated social media yeah. for being shit. It's, can you tell us where to find It's terrible. <laughs> please like my photo. Please follow um, me. <laughs> um, so uh, Twitter, Instagram uh, is actually uh, a terribly long thing that I should probably change, but I probably never will at this point. Nope. So I'll never be Insta famous. Oh, darn. Uh, it's uh, my first uh, first initial. That is J. And then my last, uh, last uh, name is Zimmerman with one N. I am not the Detroit Tigers baseball pitcher maybe i am that's in my off time uh so jay zimmerman and then underscore tx for texas because again like we just mentioned sometimes you got to remember where you're from to figure <laughs> out where you're going so jay zimmerman underscore tx uh and instagram twitter and um facebook jordan zimmerman there's a lot of us but i'm probably one of the I'm prettiest probably, well I, thank you i'm probably two percent that are not jewish males so <laughs> I would, uh, I would go we just narrowed it down so hard yeah. i loved it um and if anybody is even remotely interested in keeping up with me um i am at the joanna c on instagram uh, don't find me on facebook <laughs> um personal stuff there um jordan thank you so so much this has been a wonderful conversation and uh to all of you listening thank you for tuning in and we will catch you next time on asking for a friend Cheers. Bye.